Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by TennisTours.com and TennisExpress.com. Well, a big thank you to all of you who are joining me on today's show. I really appreciate that you took the time to download this episode and give it a listen. No matter where in the world you might be or what time you're listening to my voice, I, I always really appreciate your support by being a listener. Today I've got a tennis gear expert on the show. He knows everything having to do with strings and rackets, even the the, uh, pros equipment, which we talk about for a while, which is interesting. So let's go ahead and get to our interview. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. My guest today on the Essential Tennis Podcast is Dustin Tankersley. He's a USPTA certified teaching pro, a master racket technician, and he's been a strainer at the U.S. Open among other professional tennis tournaments. And he's going to be a guest today on the show talking about tennis gear, strains, rackets, all that kind of good stuff. So, Dustin, thank you very much for being with me, and uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. So, uh, to kick things off, uh, and first of all, you guys may remember... Those of you who've been listening for at least a couple of shows here, I was looking for a, a gear expert to start doing some articles in the gear review blog at EssentialTennis.com, and I, I got in touch with, with Dustin, and he's actually already written his first article. Um, Dustin, why don't, you, actually, why don't you start off telling us a little bit about yourself? We'll talk about that first article briefly, and then we're going to talk about a few questions from listeners of the show having to do with tennis gear. Uh, so why don't you start off telling us a little bit about your background as a, a tennis a player, as a teacher, and a little bit about your background as a gear expert as well. Okay. Uh, I've been playing tennis for about 20 years, uh, teaching tennis for the last 13 years or so. Um, and I've been stringing rackets uh, since, uh, gosh, it's been about 18 years. Um, I've been uh, a tour stringer uh, for the last four years. And I guess I've always been into to gear, you know, what the pros are using, um, you know, what kind of string, what kind of rackets. I've always, you know, I've been really into that kind of stuff. So, you know, as an MRT, I have to be up to date on all the new technologies of the rackets and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of how I've, you know, become a, a gear expert, I guess. Cool. So how do you, how exactly do you get into becoming a, a strainer at uh, at professional events, and especially the U.S. Open? Is that pretty tough to to land that that job there? Yeah, yeah, it's not not so easy. There's a the U.S. Open team is is 13 guys. Um, I think there was four of us from the states, and the rest of the guys for all over the world. Uh, hmm. My roommate was from Hong Kong. Uh, we had uh, guys from Australia, two guys from Japan. Um, a guy from Argentina, so guys from all over. Um, <clears throat> I actually got started tour streaming because I, I called a guy up, uh, Craig Brotman. Uh, he was has a company called Pro Circuit Stream, 
This was about four, four and a half years ago. And I said, and I told him that I, you know, was really interested in stringing at pro tournaments. And he invited me to string a national junior tournament. And then uh, later, a little later that year, I strung a, the, the leg mason with him. And then uh, I did a few tournaments with him. And there was a racket stringer symposium in New Braunfels, Texas, uh, from Grand Slam Stringers. It's a, a website. I went to that symposium and. I knew the guy that, that runs the Wilson team was there. Talked to him to let me string a rack in front of him. Hmm. And he was like, well, you're not quite ready yet. Um, and <laughs> next year, I know, I was, and then the next weekend I was going to a, a, a pro tournament. So I was like, yeah, I thought I was ready. You know, I'm, I've been, I'm stringing a pro events, but looking back, you know, I'm a much better stringer now than I was hmm. back then. But anyway, the following year I went to um, Florida for the same conference and he, he watched me string a little bit there and said, okay, you're, you're pretty close. I think with the training, you'll be good. Um, I went to the Sony Ericsson last year, did the training, and then I got invited to the U.S. Open last year. And uh, did the Sony Ericsson this year and then the U.S. Open again this year. Awesome. So, That's cool. Yeah. So, so tell us, so who are some of the players whose rackets that you've worked on? Um. At the U.S. Open, I don't do, I haven't done a lot of the bigger players because I'm one of the, the short stay guys. I've got four kids, so it's it's tough for me to get away for more than a week. Ah. But um, so I get like, you know, the big time players are not going to give them to me because I'm only there for a week. They're going to give them to the guys who are going to be there all two weeks. Okay. Um, but I've strung for uh, like Schiavone was one of the players I was stringing for there um, at the the leg Mason the weekend before, like two weeks before that. I do. Um, I do that one too, and I was able to string for Leighton Hewitt, uh, James Blake, cool. um, Fernando Gonzalez, um, quite a few of the the, the upper end guys there. <clears throat> so. If you uh, if you do leg Mason again next year, definitely let me know. I, I teach in the the DC area, so okay. uh, so let me know if you're going to be back in town. All right, great. Yeah, I will. All right, well let's uh, let's go ahead and get to some some questions now. Uh, now that everybody's a little bit familiar with your your backgrounds and how much expertise you have in, in this area of, you know, rackets and strains and all that kind of stuff. And our, our first question comes to us from Ernie in Los Angeles, California. He's a 3.5 level player. And his, uh, his question is a few sentences long here. It is, I was in the first set of a league match and I snapped a string on my first serve. Rather than use my girlfriend's hot pink Wilson from Target, that's nice, by the way, Ernie. <laughs> uh, my opponent lent me his Babolat Aero Pro Drive GT, which was strung and gripped exactly how Nadal uses it. I have been using, and I had been uh, using an old head uh, IS1 mid plus for six years. Unfortunately for my opponent, after he lent me that racket, I won the next two sets and I played one of my best matches of the year. Under normal circumstances, I would never have considered such a high-end racket uh, at that price. Should I invest in this racket, or, I, or am I just getting overexcited? I don't think a piece of equipment... I'm sorry, I didn't think a piece of equipment could affect my game so much, but this racket enhanced every shot I hit. Maybe you've had a similar experience and could let me know what happened with you. So Ernie's wondering if this racket is actually legitimately helping out his game or maybe he just had a good day you know is it possible that upgrading his equipment could actually make that big of a difference in his gameplay and i'm interested to hear your thoughts on this dustin because uh 
not only do you obviously know what you're talking about when it comes to gear, but you're also a teaching pro. You've been teaching for a long time, and so uh, so you're very familiar with recreational level tennis players. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on Ernie's experience. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think uh, it could definitely make a difference. Um, I would I would definitely suggest demoing the racket again and trying it again to make sure that it wasn't just uh, you know one of those days where you just play unbelievable no matter what you're playing with. But, um, you know, I know that the swing weight on that racket, I mean, I've hit with that racket and it feels really good. I love the swing weight, the weight, and the balance of that racket. Um, so, I mean, I could see him you know, picking up that racket and definitely playing better with it. And I think the, the racket he used before was a much lighter racket, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not 100% sure there. So, um, you know, and, and I've always tried to get people to, to use rackets with a little mass because, you know, you do get more power with the heavy racket, and you, your, your swings are definitely more controlled. So, um, you know, I think he could definitely pick up that racket and play better, and it could be the racket helping his game. You so. know, I, 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 t- I definitely tend to steer students and clients towards a little bit heavier frame as well. Why don't you, why don't you please tell my listeners why, in your opinion, that's typically better as opposed to a, a lighter frame? Well, I think... For everyone that you know plays tennis, the ideal racket for them is the heaviest racket they can swing comfortably. If it's if it's a little too heavy, then you know it's bad. It can cause elbow problems if you're catching the ball late. But most of the time, most people don't realize that mass absorbs shock and vibration. So if you have a heavier racket, it's going to be you know less shock on your arm, less vibration. So it's not going to hurt your arm near as much, as long as you can meet the ball out in front and you don't get fatigued from from playing with it. Um, you know, that's something I've always tried to get people to do, too, is just add a little weight to, you know. And, and it's also your swings are more controllable because you're not having to swing really fast to get the power. You can just have a nice controlled swing and um, you can still hit the ball hard. So I, I tend to find it, and tell me if you agree with this, uh, Dustin, and it's our first show together, but feel free to disagree with me too, by the way. Uh, I, I tend to find that usually students with heavier rackets, uh, in my experience, it tends to promote a little bit better technique as well. Because I think that a lot of times lower level players, when they are given a really light racket, it's a lot easier for them to use kind of shorter, quicker, kind of choppier swings as opposed to a little bit longer racket path, a little, little bit longer follow-through. Um, is that something that you found as well? Yeah, I think uh, definitely because it's, you know, if, if you have a, a powerful racket, you don't have to swing very hard or you don't have to hit through the ball. You can just kind of poke it back and it still goes in. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. But if you, if you have a racket with some mass, then you, you have to hit through the ball. But when you do, once you get the racket moving, it kind of finishes the stroke for you uh while you were talking there i actually looked up the specs on the on that racket uh the head i dot s1 it's uh 102 square inches 27.5 inches and 9.7 ounces uh so so definitely on the light side um yeah for for him being a three five player and maybe looking to to move up you know hopefully in the near future is that uh, now that we know the specs for sure, is that definitely a racket that you think might be too light for him? I, I would say so, yeah. I think it's um, definitely look at either adding weight to his racket or investing in a new racket. But it sounds like he really liked the, the, the Babot racket, so I would definitely try that again. And, and if, if he likes it after you know 
a demo of a week or so, then definitely I would invest the money. Before we get to our next questions, I want to remind everybody about the official sponsor of the Essential Tennis Podcast, and that is TennisTours.com. They specialize in travel packages and ticket packages to both WTA and ATP professional tennis events all over the world. Definitely check them out. If you're making plans for next year to go to any of the Grand Slams, they have wide ranges of different tickets and packages available for all four Grand Slams and a lot of the ATP 1000 and 500 events too. So definitely go check them out, and when you make a purchase, use the promotional code ESSENTIAL. You'll get a discount, and you'll show them that you appreciate their support of the Essential Tennis Podcast. All right, great. Let's go ahead and move on to a few other questions here from... My listeners who go to the uh, the forums at EssentialTennis.com. And by the way, uh, to all of you on the forums, thank you very much for posting your questions. It was a little bit um, a little bit short notice, so, so I appreciate you guys coming up with some good questions here. Uh, first one here, I, I've actually got two here from Charles in Maryland. His first one is, how much do the pros vary their string jobs from day to day or from tournament to tournament? Um, most of the guys that, from my experience, are, are pretty um, stubborn as far as you know changing very much. They don't like change. They're, they're comfortable with something and they kind of stick with it. I think the times when they do vary are a little bit is when it comes to like altitude-wise or uh, the temperature-wise. If the temperature's way hotter one day, they're going to go up in tension a little bit. If it's way way cooler the next day, they may go down a couple pounds. But it's you know generally it's like a couple pounds up or a couple pounds down, but it's generally kind of in that same range um, from my experience. And I know, I know there's some guys that have personal stringers that, you know, when they're in the hotel string, it's not like if it, the temperature goes up, they can send a racket to the stringing room and have them string it. They, they pretty much have those guys in a hotel, so they're not going to be able to get any rackets. They need them. So they probably do. I would guess, I don't know for sure, but they probably do a couple a little bit tighter and a couple a little looser just in case hmm. the temperature changes. <clears throat> but I think that's that's about it, unless they're experimenting with some stuff. But for the most part, you know, they, they like a racket, they like a string, they like attention, they kind of stick with it for, I would say, almost most of their career. Interesting. Now, now you mentioned that on a substantially colder day, a player might have his racket strung a little bit looser is that because things kind of tend to be a little bit dead on a colder day and they're looking for a little bit more uh pop or power off of the uh, the racket bed yeah yeah i think so and then uh the same as when it gets hotter when it gets much higher or hotter the balls fly more the you know the strings lose a little bit more tension i think in the heat so they want to go up a little bit and the same as when it it's cold you know if you play on a cold day it feels like Sometimes your your strings just feel really stiff, um, so I think it, it it helps to drop tension a little bit um, to kind of balance that out a little. Okay. All right. Second question from Charles. Suppose I had money to pay you to quote optimize my string job. How would you go about doing this? Interesting. Yeah. Um, the first thing I'd want to know is um, what you know, what level you are, what playing style you, you are, um, what you're looking to get out of the strings, you know, do you want more control? Do you want more power? Um, and then I would kind of gauge what you, what you want out of the, the strings and then, um, maybe even give, make a couple suggestions. And if you have multiple rackets, string one, 
one way and another one another way and just kind of, you know, to tweak them a little bit, see what you like better. And then, you know, I've always recommended, uh, you know, Lux Lanelli Power is one of my, my favorite strings. And, and I recommend it for a lot of people, even that, you know, wouldn't normally use polyester. Um, but I drop tension way down. So if this is a guy that's stringing his rackets at, you know, 56 with NXT, I would say let's try 46 with Luxalon, um, all Luxalon, and then try that. And then maybe um, another combination that he may like would be uh, natural gut and, and uh, soft synthetic or natural gut, you know. Um, so, I mean, there's it would basically take uh, some trial and error, I think, to optimize something, you know, because – there's so many options out there. There's so many different strings. I think you really have to play test a little bit and kind of, you know, see what, what feels good to you and what you get the most, what helps you get the most out of the strings. Okay. Uh, I think it's interesting that you mentioned uh, uh, possibly having a, a lower level recreational player try a full Luxalon uh, string, uh, string pattern, uh, even at a little bit lower tension. Is that uh, a string that you've had good success with, with, uh, I don't know, let's say what three Oh or, or three, five players at lower tension. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've tried it with, um, a few people and it, it really, there's not a lot of shock and vibration in that string. It's, um, hmm. it's kind of a dead feel. Um, but I mean, for me personally, I love the feel of that string. Um, it's something that, if you string it low enough, you're going to get plenty of power, but you still have the control because it's a polyester. Um, and it's not going to hurt your arm like, like most people would think, you know, using a normal polyester because it's, it's much softer. I don't know. I don't know how they make it that soft, but it's something that, that um, I know that even other manufacturers have tried to, to take that string, melt it down and use the same ingredients hmm. uh, and still not be able to make it as soft as, as the, the ALU power. You know, that's one strain that I, I haven't really tried yet. I, I'm a fan of dead-feeling uh, strains, and so uh, the racket I teach with even is it's got full polyester in it. Um, I haven't tried the... Uh, actually, I'm not sure that I've tried any Luxalon, really, except for just in the mains once or twice. Um, I'll have to give that a shot uh, and put it both in the mains and the crosses and see uh, see how I like that. Yeah, yeah and if you're going from a poly, then... You probably wouldn't have to drop off too much because you're you're already you're already using a, a polyester a stiff string. Mm-hmm. But I definitely recommend when you're you're going from a synthetic to to poly to drop at least you know eight eight to ten pounds because um, it's better to go on the safe side. You know if it's it's something that is gonna you know bother your arm a little bit if you drop off enough tension then it shouldn't you shouldn't have any problems. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question here comes to us from Zach in Washington State, and I'm really looking forward to your answer uh, to this one. I'm curious. He wrote and said, there is a major belief that most pros are using old rackets that are repainted every year with the new paint job in order for companies to make money. Are there any pros to your knowledge that actually use their signature racket? And it says in uh, parentheses, I've heard that Ronick has used his racket from right off the retailer's rack. So what are your thoughts on that, Dustin? Um, There are definitely some guys using um, the newer models. Um, Some of them, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to tell on some of them because the paint jobs that they do that are uh, paint jobs are are so good that it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. The manufacturers aren't going to tell us anything. Even, you know, at the U.S. Open, we'll see some rackets that, 
are made by Wilson and we don't really, they don't look like, you know, whatever it is, but the guys that work for Wilson will tell us, they say, Oh, it looks, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're pretty secretive about what they do. Um, I know like some of them may have like different layouts for the graphites, uh, stiffer in certain areas that you may not get off this the one off the rack. But, um, I know that, you know, there's a lot of guys that, that are using, uh, some of the older rackets, but, it's not an old racket. It's a new racket. It's just the same mold that they've used for a long time. Um, cause it's, you, you, a lot of the guys like James Blake's, for instance, he's using old rackets that he's liked for a long time. I know when he went to Prince, he ended up using his old Dunlops, never found a Prince racket he liked, but his rackets were so old, the resins in there had broken down in the frame, so the frame became softer. He likes that soft feel of that frame, or that dead feel of the frame. And now every time he picks a new racket up, it doesn't feel as good as the old one. Hmm. So he's gotten used to an old, dead frame, and now no, it doesn't matter who tries to make him a racket, he's not going to like it. Hmm. So they actually go through frames pretty quick. Um, they, you know, They probably get six you know, depending on how high they are, they get about six to, to 12 frames every, you know, four or five months and they'll go through them so that they, they don't go dead and then they'll discard them and go to new rackets. Um, but back to the original question, I think there are some guys using the rackets, but I think almost all of them are customized. Okay. And I've seen Rodix rackets. Um, it looks like the racket that you get off the shelf, but I couldn't tell you whether it is for sure or not. You'd have to actually, you know, put it on like a RDC and measure all the the, the specs. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I know that his rackets are customized, so it wouldn't, you know, even if you took one off the wall and then his racket, it wouldn't be the same weight, swing weight, and balance. Um, oh, okay. So, so you're saying you think it could be the actual? It, it could be the actual mold, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, it okay. could be the actual one that you same racket you get off the shelf, but. His rackets are sent to um, RPNY customizes his rackets. So his rackets are sent there. RPNY customizes his specs, and then um, strings them up for him too. They actually travel with him pretty much all over the world. Wherever he goes, they they travel with him to string for him. Hmm. Are Are there any pros that you're aware of that literally use the frame from off the wall without having them customized at all? You know, I don't. I'm, I'm sure there are, but I don't see very many of them most of them i mean you can look at them and see that there's some weight on the sides or if there's not it's under the head guard can you you can kind of tell it's a little bit heavier than than the one off the rack but mm-hmm. i'm sure there's a few out there but you know most of them i mean if you get if you buy rackets off the rack you're going to have let's say you buy three radicals um just to, to name a racket and you buy three of them off the rack they're not all going to be identical so mm-hmm. You know, you go out and you play with one, you string them all up the same, you play with them, you might be able to tell the difference between, you know, one of them or two of them. But if, if you're a pro and you're playing that much, you can probably tell a little bit better than we can. And, you know, you don't want to go out there and, and break a string in a match and go to another racket. And it takes you, even if you don't feel the change, it takes you a little while to adjust to the different swing weight of that racket. So, you know, if there's money on the line, they're going to want the rackets all identical so they don't have to worry about it. Sure. Well, it's um, <laughs> it's really nice to hear you be open and honest about it, Dustin. I, I've talked to a lot of, I mean, obviously, yeah, the the manufacturers they're they're not going to talk 
about it, but but I've talked to even a lot of other pros who know a lot about gear who still don't talk much about it and, and aren't very open and honest about the fact that the pros do very often use different frames because they're trying to protect their, their sales at their pro shop. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's nice to hear you actually be open about it. That's great. Yeah. And you know, it's, I don't think it's, it's any secret out there. I mean, if you, if you see the rackets they're using, it's, they're not always the same. And you know, even if they are, I think it, they could have a different layup. So it could be a little bit different, but, um, you know, I understand why why guys aren't going to say, "Oh no, you're and Nadal's definitely using the Aero Pro Drive." I mean, which I mean, he <laughs> he or the um, yeah, the Aero Pro Drive, he is using that racket. Um, his may be a little bit different than the one off the rack, though. But okay. Uh, Before we get to our last few questions, I want to remind my listeners about the second sponsor of the podcast, that is TennisExpress.com. You can go there for all of your gear needs, rackets, strings, shoes, apparel, whatever you need, they've got it. And they've got excellent prices, free shipping for orders over $75. Use the promotional code ESSENTIAL when you check out, and you'll show them that you really appreciate their sponsorship of the Essential Tennis Podcast. All right, a few more questions here before we wrap things up. Our next one comes to us from Shelly in New Mexico. She wrote and said, what is the benefit of the cross strain? I love guts and could play well just with full gut, but I've noticed that when I hybrid with a cheap synthetic guts or nylon, I don't really feel much difference, and it becomes a lot cheaper to use gut only in the mains rather than a full set. So what exactly does the cross strain do for you? Um, that's, that's a good, um, good combination. I've always, <coughs> sorry, I've always had um, a lot of people using gut and then a soft synthetic because it lowers the price of the string, uh, but it still plays really well. But I think the mains are more responsible for the feel and the play of the string, and the crosses aren't as much. Um, so you can still get the great feel of the gut, and if, as long as it's a softer string, it's not a stiff string in the cross, um, it'll still play really well. Um, I think the only downside to that is you're going to get about uh, 45 hours of playing time before that string goes dead. If you use hmm. all good, you get about 60 hours of playing time before the string goes dead. So it's it's going to be playability is going to be a little bit longer if you go all good versus uh, the hybrid. Okay. All right. Good stuff. And then we've got, uh, lastly, two quick questions here from John M. in Texas. Number one, what strains were the pros using most often at the U.S. Open, the Luxon LU Power is probably the most popular strain. Um, definitely a lot of polyesters. Um, uh, RPM Blast uh, is definitely one of the, the popular strings. Uh, Nadal and Schiavone were using that, um, and then there's a lot of other players using it too. Um, most of it is either all poly or poly and gut. Um, there are a few that are still using all natural gut, but it's not near as many as it used to be. Hmm. So. Okay. And lastly, well, actually, you know what? Before we get to John's last question, I'm, I'm curious. You mentioned the RPM Blast, the, the new or relatively new strain that, that Nadal's been using and uh, he's mm-hmm. kind of made, made it popular. What, what, are your, what, what are your thoughts on that strain? Is it really making much of a difference as far as 
spin creation or is it just another uh, polyester strain? You know, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've tried it myself. Um, and it feels a little firmer than, than what I've normally used Lux One LU power. Um, it's a little bit firmer. I think it's about the same spin potential. Most of the polys, it's if you string it a little looser, you're going to get more spin because the ball just stays on the string a little bit longer. And then, you know, you're able to generate more spin that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if the RPM blast is generating more spin. I think for Nadal, I don't, he could use anything and he's going to generate spin. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, agree. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, I, I've used it as well. I actually have it in my teaching racket right now. Well, whatever my racket, I, I use the same racket for, for teaching. And when I, you know, the rare times that I do hit, I, I use the same uh, racket and, yeah. um, yeah, I, I've definitely not noticed any big difference. And <laughs> in general, I'm a really big skeptic when it comes to technologies, both in, in strings and in rackets, um, so I wasn't surprised. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting yeah. any big, uh, any big change. But it was getting so much hype. Which, uh, which tournament was it? It, it was. It, they really kind of announced it right before one of the Grand Slams. Uh, do you remember which one it was? When it was? I think it might have been the French. And then I know like Schiavone switched switched it for the French, and then ended up winning the French. Nah. So I think that kind of helped a little bit too. Um, and then you know Nadal's using it, so right. Everyone wants to try it then. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it seems like it's been successful. Yeah. Um, all right. So last to hear, let's go to our last question from John. And uh, it is simply, how heavy a racket should a recreational player use? What, what are your thoughts on weight? I, I know that we briefly earlier talked about uh, usually pushing uh, our, our students towards heavier rackets in general. Let's talk uh, specific weights. What What weight range are you normally putting into the hands of uh, your average recreational player uh, when they're kind of demoing a racket and, and maybe looking for something new? Um, you know, it's, I think for most, for, for most like recreational players, I generally try to start off low and then kind of let them try some rackets and see where it is. And, um, but I think probably around the 11, 11 ounce range um, is okay. not too heavy. But I think it's something that's got a little mass to it, so um, you know they can get some power behind the ball, and you know the mass absorbs the shock. And you know, like like we were saying earlier, I think it's. Um, and then from there, I think it's kind of depends on the player, you know, because then uh, I like to do a lot of on-court stuff as far as adding weight to the rackets and letting them hit with it a little bit here, a little bit there, so they can feel the difference. Um, you know, just adding a little bit of lead tape and the handle can make a huge difference, but it doesn't affect the swing weight of the racket. So they don't feel it as much when they're swinging it, the racket around or, or the maneuverability. When you hit the net, you can still move the racket back and react to some of those quick volleys um, when the weight's in the handle. So, um, yeah, I think in the 11 ounce range and then, you know, maybe a little bit more than that, depending on the player. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Well, we're going to start to wrap things up uh, with that. And uh, I, I want to make sure everybody goes to check out Dustin's first post at the Gear Review blog at EssentialTennis.com. Just go to EssentialTennis.com, and in the uh, main heading, there's a menu option that says Blogs. Go down to Gear Review, 
and he wrote his first blog on Luxalon ALU Power, which is a string that it sounds like he's uh, really enjoy using the most right now. Uh, give us a quick uh, preview of that that write up. What what were your your thoughts in general? Um, well, I mean, I'm, I've always I've used that string for a while, and it, it, every time I try out a string, I end up going back to that string just because it's got a soft feel, but I still can hit out on the ball and have plenty of control. Um, so I think it's <laughs> um, I think it's one of the best strings on the market, and then you know there's a reason why most pros are using that string. Um, and I just kind of talked about how, um, what different types they have. Uh, they have a spin version, they have a rough version, they have uh, a floral, which is a little bit softer and thinner string. And then the regular ALU power 1.25, which is, uh, seems to be one of the most popular ones with the tour on the, on the tour. Um, so I just kind of talked about that a little bit. Okay. Good stuff. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time, both in writing that article and also in being here with me right now to talk about rackets and strings. And, and thank you for answering the questions from, from my listeners. I really appreciate that. And I, I hope to continue having you on the show because it, it, I can tell that you're definitely a huge resource as far as uh, knowledge goes for, for gear. So, Dustin, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. All right, that does it for episode number 139 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Again, thank you very much for joining me on today's show. I hope it was helpful for you and informative. And before I sign off for this week, I just want to remind you guys about the forums at EssentialTennis.com, which is where most of our questions came for today's show. Very often when I have guests on the show and I'm looking for a couple extra questions to ask, to, to maybe fill in a little bit of our time, I always go to the forums. And so if you guys want to get a jump on getting advice from myself and from the guests that I have on the show, definitely go sign up. And it's, it's a great place to spend some time anyway, just to interact with other people who are passionate about the sport and trying hard to, to improve their games. All right, that does it for this week. Thanks again, everybody. Take care and good luck with your tennis. 